Welcome to Voice Power, the podcast all about bringing the power of voice for your business or personal needs. You will hear how voice increases your positivity and creates amazing opportunities. Your host, Earl Thomas, The Voice, will share his vast experience on today's episode. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and writing a review wherever you receive your podcast. Welcome to Voice Power, Season 2, Episode 22. My special guest will challenge your current thinking around growing a sustainably profitable business and your marketing. In fact, she often suggests strategies that are very counterintuitive for many business owners. With 40 plus years of business experience, Diana Lidstone coaches entrepreneurs to explode their profits while freeing up more time for the things they love. Her work embodies work less, earn more. She is a best-selling author, speaker, and podcast host of the Grow Equation Business Podcast. Diana transforms frazzled, overworked business owners into profitable, overjoyed CEOs. I am sure we will have great conversation as Diana possesses tons of great experience and business tips to share. I am grateful to have met Diana at the Grand Connection networking event, and that is how Voice Power started as she introduced Carl Richards, and later we super connected and began my podcast, now in its second season. Get ready for practical and straightforward business wisdom as Diana and I look into business success and how to arrive there. Welcome to Voice Power, Diana. How's life in Ontario? It's awesome, thank you. Today is a wonderful sunny day and I'm looking out over the river and it all looks great. I love that uh, spontaneity and that energy in your voice. At Voice Power, we discover how our voice creates positivity. Your voice of amazing business experience has encouraged many. Thanks for your willingness to share your experience, business tips, and positivity. Thanks so much, Earl. I love being on other people's podcasts and having a chance to talk with them about their magic that they offer to the world. Now, what did your beginning business experiences teach you? Oh, well, you know, I've been a business owner for many, many years, over 40 years. So if I go back to my first businesses, they were quite small. Um, but let's say I'll go back to my retail days. I owned a retail store for over 12 years. And I learned that making mistakes is okay. <laughs> Making mistakes is the way that you learn in business, no matter what it is. I mean, when I started my retail store, really, I didn't know anything about inventory. I didn't know anything about hiring people. I didn't know anything about sales and, you know, add-ons. I didn't know any of that. But um, I learned that it was okay to make a mistake. And I learned that it was even better if you could find a mentor. And I was really lucky that in the small town I lived, uh, there was a gentleman who had a very successful retail store and he kind of took me under his wing and we would have some amazing discussions uh, in both his office and my back office. 
Now, did you ever hit a point where you did not want to continue in business? You were so discouraged it wasn't moving forward. Hmm. I guess the first thing that pops into my head was when I had my retail store, my kids were still teenagers, young adults, and my daughter got ill. She was bedridden for seven years with something called chronic fatigue syndrome. My, at that same time, I'm running a retail store. I was also trying to do some network marketing. My husband had a high pressure corporate job that took him out of town. And I had a son who was a teenager who was driving me freaking crazy. Well, there were some days I wanted to quit life. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what does work-life balance mean to you and how do you achieve it? First of all, I think the word balance is, um, I don't agree with that word balance. Um, because there, if somebody looked at a day in the life of an entrepreneur, probably there is no balance. That uh, nothing's equal. That's what I see when I hear the word balance. And I think there's compromise in being an entrepreneur. Uh, but what I've learned over the years is that we get to decide. We get to decide what our life looks like. And so it is our responsibility to make decisions the way we want them. And sometimes people, especially business owners think, well, I have to do this, I have to do that. And the truth of the matter is you don't have to do anything. It's your choice. So these days, um, you know, my husband is retired and when he was approaching retirement, and I talk about this in a, podcast episode. He wanted me to uh, retire with him. Well, I didn't want to retire with him. I love what I do. <laughs> so uh, it forced me to really look at my business and really look at how could I still earn the kind of money that I wanted without working so many hours. And hence the you know, the uh, hashtag that I use now, work less, earn more, was born from that. And so these days, I, if you could call it four days a week, maybe, but I don't start till 10. I take two hours off in midday and I finish around three. Um, and I, you know, Fridays is what I call, it's an F day. So you can put F whatever you want, freedom day, flex day, fun day, whatever. Uh, so I typically don't, don't work on uh, Fridays. Sometimes I might have to do some catch up here, there and whatever. So I might do that. And I usually take somewhere between somewhere around six weeks vacation. I still earn six figures. That's work-life balance for me today. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in the first few years that I had my business. It was something that I had to figure out for myself. And of course I learned some tips and tricks along the way from various mentors that I had. Now I have the business where I want it. And so I'm just kind of, you know, going with the flow. It, it sounds delicious. It sounds wonderful. Someone is listening who is very discouraged in their business and they're considering closing up. What would you say to them? And I've, you know, always, 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 I have talked to people in that situation and I always send them back why did you start your business in the first place? And if you're not really super connected to that why, that purpose, that fire in your belly, as they say, then maybe it's not 
the business for you. You know, and I can't tell you how many people that I have worked with and a few years down the road, I see that they've quit and that's okay. But, you know, they didn't have that fire, that really true fire in their belly. They didn't have that real commitment, if you will, to the business because being a business owner is not the easiest road or not the easiest path in the world. And you know that. You've also interviewed lots of people about it, so I'm sure you've heard different answers. Now, with over 40 plus years in business, what are the top three ideas you've learned? Ooh, you, you have some tricky questions there. You have some tricky questions. I think them out. I think out yeah. a good flow. I love interviewing and uh, I look at those questions, yes. The first one that comes to mind is in business, here's the saying, revenue is vanity profit is sanity. Pay attention to your numbers. And it's really all about the profit that you have that you can put in your back pocket. Right. And I find that too many entrepreneurs and business owners are not paying attention to their numbers and they have no freaking idea how much money they're really making. Well, let's go back to the workshop that I hosted that you were part of. Very good workshop. I highly recommend Diana's workshops. Thank you. Thank you. And during that workshop, I talked about very often entrepreneurs think they have a revenue problem when it's really a reputation problem. So let me maybe explain that. I'll use the story of the, I'll call it the two restaurants. So when I moved to the Thousand Islands here where I am now from the Montreal area, you know, we don't know where things are. And so we're asking our neighbors for recommendations for restaurants. If any of you have ever been to Montreal, you know it is a city of amazing freaking food and amazing food experiences. So we were looking for something like that. Now, the recommendation was always, oh, the only place to go is the Ivy, but, and we'd listen for the but, but it, it's expensive and but you have to make reservations in advance. Okay, what if your business was like the Ivy? What if you had a reputation where people came to you expecting you to be expensive and expecting to maybe have a wait list to work with you? That's what the Ivy has done by building a reputation. Their reputation is that they have, you know, their menu, for instance, is one page. That's it, that's all. It's very specialized in local food. So that's one thing. The second thing is they have an amazing view of the waterfront. They're sitting right on the water. You look out over the river, the Thousand Islands, and a fabulous marina in front of you. Can't get much better than that in this area. I'd love to go. It sounds fabulous. <laughs> and the third thing, they have exceptional world-class service. So not only are they attentive to you, but, you know, there's little things like in the summer you go and, you know, in the summer, the evenings cool off. Well, guess what? They have little blankets that they come and say, here, are you cool? So your experience is out of this world. When you build a reputation like that, revenue follows. So you have to be seen. You have to be, you know, in today's online world, which we're all in. The online world was great 
you know, is great, I should say. And the pandemic pushed certainly a lot of business to the online world, but it also created more competition, right? Because your competition is not just the business next door in the same town, not even in the same city, not even in the same province or state, not even in the same country. Your competition is now global. So the problem is, or the challenges for business owners is how do they stand out in a crowded marketplace? How do they stand out, get noticed, get known, get chosen? By building a reputation, that's how it happens. I've got revenue follows reputation. Okay, you want three things, right? The third I would say would be to simplify everything in your business. Entrepreneurs tend to be creative people. And so our default is, well, if something's not working quite right, we're going to create something else. And so I see this in a lot of coaches and consultants that they create all new offers all the time instead of having what I would call one core offer, an upsell and a downsell. So how do you simplify your business? And I call it the magic rule of one. And there's five parts to it. And it's very counterintuitive. The first part of the rule, you select one audience or one target market, one niche, one super niche, whatever you want to call it. Instead of, for instance, I had a client who was a financial advisor and he said, well, I want to serve entrepreneurs and I want to serve families. And I said, well, you know, that's great. But in your marketing, the language and the problems of the entrepreneur are not going to be the same as the family. And there's an old, I think it's Confucius saying, a fox can't chase two rabbits. So pick the rabbit that you're going to chase. Okay, so that's the first part. You need one audience. The second part is you need one problem. What is the one problem that you're going to solve for that target audience? Me as a, you know, a coach, a business coach, uh, there are many problems I could solve. But what is the one problem I am going to use to differentiate myself and stand out in the marketplace? So one audience, one problem, one solution. That's the third thing. So I have a program called Differentiate to Grow. It's a group program. That is my core offer. I have an upsell, which is private coaching, and I have a downsell, which is something called the Profit Lab. One problem, one solution, one method of getting your message out there. So here's what I mean. You can be, every person has a way of getting their message out there that is the best for them. So, you know, Earl, you and Carl are both audio people. I'm a live and in-person person. That's how I best resonate with my clients and my clients best resonate with me. There's also people who are better at written. Their clients resonate best with them for written. There's also people who do graphic. There's also people who do video. So pick one method of getting your message out there. And for you, you know, it would be audio. And use every audio method possible. So you could leave, you know, 
phone messages. You could leave Facebook voice messages. You could leave, you could use, um, oh, in my podcast, I'm starting to use something called SpeakPipe, which, um, yeah, anyway, I'll tell you about that another time. But it gives people an opportunity to leave a voice message. One method of getting your message out there. Second to last part is focus on one social media platform. Master it before you try to spread yourself thin and be out everywhere. I think that's a really, really, really big mistake. And the last part of this, which is something I've just added, is be willing to commit to all of these ones for a minimum, I'll say six months, but I'd really prefer a year. And if you could commit for a year to all of those, I know for a fact, and I've proven it with my clients over and over again, that they will see a significant shift in their business, their profits will explode, they will build that reputation. I understand that you have developed counterintuitive strategies for business. Right. And what is your, your thinking on mainstream usual strategies? Why did you develop counterintuitive? You know, the magic rule of one. All of that is very counterintuitive. And I'll use a client case study as an example. So I had this client come to me. She's a lawyer in a small city here in Ontario. And she was a very generalist lawyer. And she was just barely surviving in her business. And she wanted, she came to me and she said, Diana, can you make me profitable? And I said, well, I can't make you anything, but we can work on it. <laughs> so anyway, um, what happened was that I suggested that she really niche down and become a specialist and come to find out that her own personal passion and side gig was real estate investing. And every time she talked about real estate investing, like her energy just soared and she, you know, her eyes sparkled and you know how people get when they're really passionate about something. Yes, because yeah. that's the way I get when I talk about voiceovers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, I said, you know, I think you really should niche down and specialize for real estate investors. And she goes, oh my God, Diana, I can't possibly do that because that means I'll be turning people away. And I said, exactly. I said, and she looked at me like I was crazy. I said, but the question I had for her, so she's licensed to practice in the province of Ontario. I said, how many serious real estate investors do you think are in the province of Ontario? Kind of thought about it. And I said, do you think there's enough to take your business from just barely surviving to the $3 million mark, which is where she wanted to go. And she kind of went, yeah, I think so. And I said, it will also allow you by niching down to this specialty, it allowed her to say no to those people who pick up the phone and call and say, well, what's your price on whatever it happens to be, like the bargain hunters, right? And now her staff goes, no, you know, if you're looking for the cheapest price, we're not the ones. She has built a reputation now for the become the go-to expert for real estate investors. The only marketing that she does is she now belongs to uh, one or two of the real estate investing clubs in Ontario, and she speaks and makes strategic alliances. This year, her business will profit, profit, 500k 
That's a turnaround by building the reputation and by counterintuitively niching down to that small market. Doc, let's talk about time management and the fact of why did you start your podcast? Because you're very busy. How did you find time to do a podcast? <laughs> you know how much work it is. Uh, I don't know if you know this story, but um, so Carl Richards uh, Podcast Solutions Made Simple is my podcast production company. And Carl was probably for two years, Diana, you should have a podcast. Diana, you should have a podcast. And I kept saying to myself, how the heck am I ever going to find time to do all of this? One day as I was preparing a blog about growing a team, I realized that I was asking myself the wrong question. I shouldn't have been asking myself how I was going to do it. The right question is who was going to do it? It's not me because that's not my zone of genius. I basically do what you do. I interview, I do the audits, I do the recording, if you will. I post it up in a Dropbox and all of a sudden magic happens and it goes live. Yes, Carl is amazing, isn't he? Yeah. Now you've already given us a success story, but do you have a success story of a business owner who, who you thought would not turn the corner to success? I have a success story of somebody who was already successful and who changed their life completely around and continues to be successful. So a little different than you're asking, but a couple of years ago, um, this couple uh, came to me and they were already earning, I think it was like five, their sales were like $5 million. And they came to me and, and asked me for my help. And I went, yeah, I kind of scratched my head and I thought, how the heck can I help a $5 million company? What I learned was, again, they didn't really have a revenue problem. They had a reputation problem. What happened was that they were traveling across North America trying to get leads for their business. I think they had spent a couple of years doing this. And every time they came home with zero, nada, zilch, none, no leads. And I went, well, how is that possible? So I said, so what do you do when you walk into a booth to meet somebody at these conferences? And I had them actually say what they said. And so they said, you know, we walk in, we introduce ourselves and, you know, we're talent recruitment company. And I said, so what is the response of the person in the conference booth? And they go, oh, well, it's like they kind of roll their eyes and they go, Oh, another one of those. And I went, yeah, because you're not differentiating yourself from all the other people that are walking in their booth. Certainly, again, a process. But this couple really, they wanted to increase their sales because they wanted to sell their business and then travel the world. And I showed them actually that they could keep their business, keep making money and still travel the world. So there was a number of things that we did, but one of them was I had them start talking more about what their true specialty was. They already had their niche. They just weren't communicating it. So they were in the machine learning and the artificial intelligence niche. I call intellectual property. Or you heard me talk about a flagship framework. So my personal flagship framework is the acronym GROW. And I call it the GROW equation, right? You've heard me talk about that before. And for this company, we created 
something called their strategic talent optimizer. And it was a five-step process that they were using. They just hadn't put a name to it. They didn't have it all laid out so that their clients could actually see the process. Now, when they can go and they start meeting people, they just go, yeah, we're talent acquisition, but we're specialists in machine learning and in artificial intelligence. And we help companies get exactly the right talent using our strategic talent optimizer. Oh, well, that sounds a little curious. That sounds a little different. Using that, they started putting their strategic talent optimizer into their sales conversations their sales conversation conversions increased. And then they started creating content or they had a a company start creating content for them based solely on that framework. This couple reported back to me uh, not long ago that their business, despite the pandemic, despite, um, you know, having to get rid of their office space and downsize, etc. They have grown over 70% in the last seven months and continue to grow. So that's a company that again, I really thought, I don't know how I'm going to help them. (laughs) They were already in my eyes successful, but they had still had the same problems that a lot of smaller businesses had. So that was really a learning experience for myself as well. For my listeners out there, do you have a offer for them? Because you have definitely have lots of content and you have lots of uh, inspiration and practical tips. Do you have Thank you. Thank you. One of the things that I know is there are listeners at different stages of business growth. I often struggled with how am I going to give something that will fit everybody. And so what I've come up with is on my website, and you can see the link here sort of behind me, it's dianalidstone.com gift hyphen library. And I put a number of free gifts there for people to download. Um, There's, you know, a meditation, there's hundred ways to market your business without social media. There's a PDF of my best-selling book. So there's a number of things that they can self-select. They can self-select one or they can take them all, whatever they so choose. So um, I hope that will be helpful to your listeners. I'm sure it will. And this has been a great conversation, very practical. I'm thanking you for taking the time. And uh, I'm sure that uh, listeners out there who want to grow their business would really benefit from contacting you. It'll all be in the show notes, how they can contact you. Diana, thank you for taking the time here at Voice Power. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into Voice Power and subscribing and writing a review wherever you receive your podcast. Voice Power is the podcast that keeps you informed on how voiceovers improve your business and personal life. Earl Thomas, The Voice, thanks you for joining him today. Have yourself a wonderful day, and we look forward to you joining us next time.